Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello, welcome once again to The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond here on this Thursday, October the 13th. We missed a a Friday the 13th by one day here in October. Uh, I don't know, is that lucky? (laughs) So when your uh, child was born, if you have children, your very first child, when you were at the hospital, do you remember when the nurse or the doctor handed you your very own copy of the handbook on how to be a parent? And you could look up any stage of development, infant, toddler, child, teen, whatever the issue was, that handbook, it had all the answers for all the different questions that came up in raising your child. If you weren't issued a copy of the handbook on how to be a parent, that's because it doesn't actually exist. Of course, there are lots of books out there with different takes on how to raise a child, dealing with pretty much every behavioral issue or child-rearing philosophy that's under the sun. But there's not one single handbook that has all of these perfect answers on how to raise your child so that you can have the ideal family. Learning how to be a parent, it takes time. You use your own experience. From when you were a child, you bring in the things that you thought your mom or your dad did right using those for your own children, but then the things that you didn't like, you try and leave those out. But then sometimes that doesn't work. You know, I I think it's a pretty universal experience for most parents. You tell yourself, I'm never going to say that one thing or that phrase or whatever it is. I'm never going to say that to my child. My mom or dad, they said it. I'll never say it. But Years later, you find yourself uttering those same words or something, you know, some variation that's very close. And then with parenting, there's a lot of trial and error. My wife and I, we have nine children, our oldest. She'll be 23 next month. And we've had a conversation with her uh, here just within the last year or two, apologizing that she was the guinea pig for us, you know, just by virtue of being the firstborn. She was the one that we learned the most from during our parenting, but that means that she bore the brunt of different moments of trial and error. Now, that said, it's not like we made all our mistakes only with the oldest child, and then after that, we experienced just flawless parenting in this perfectly harmonious household ever after. No, of course not. That's not reality, because every child, you know, they have their own individual personality, and That's going to change the dynamics of particular interactions with them and the way they interact with, uh, you know, their siblings, the, the whole way that the family works together. But I will say that I think my wife and I are better parents now than when we started almost 23 years ago. We're less worried, less stressed about some of the little things, the little details. 
that we thought maybe were more important when we started out. We're more relaxed now, more patient. And we have a better idea of what those main priorities should be, the most important focus for our family, for our children. Now, of course, here on this show, The Inner Life, dealing with spiritual direction, we're going to talk about one of those top priorities. It's the spiritual growth and development of our children. And this is another area where we can find ourselves kind of in that trial and error, you know, that that, that area there. You can kind of stumble around at first, especially in trying to figure out the best ways to teach and pass on the faith to your children, especially if you, your own example growing up, maybe it was somewhat lacking, maybe it didn't exist at all. So today on The Inner Life, we want to spend this hour talking about some ways that we can engage our kids in their spiritual development, and very specifically, we want to look at how we can pray together as a family. And while right now I've been talking about kind of that typical image of a family with parents and children— Well, of course, we know that families come in all varieties, you know, with or without children. There are single-parent homes. There are adult children that are caring for their now elderly parents. But regardless of the shape or the size of your family, we'd love to hear how you've been able to pray together, how that's strengthened your family and individually helped you and each person in your family to grow in their relationship with God. And uh, in fact, I want to open up the phone lines right here at the beginning of the hour. Uh, If you've had some great ways that you've been able to incorporate prayer into your family, we'd love to have you call in and share that. Be an encouragement to maybe some younger families that are just starting out. And our phone number here in the studio, 888-914-9149, You can also email us, innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. And joining me today as our spiritual director here for the hour, Father Chris Walsh, is with us. He is a priest in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia and the pastor of St. Cecilia's Church there in Philly. And uh, Father Chris, welcome back to The Inner Life. It's always good to have you here. Thank you so much, Josh. It's a pleasure to be here and to talk about such a very important topic for our families. Well, and maybe we can start there with the idea of family. You know, I, I just mentioned families can come in all different kind of shapes and sizes. But uh, looking at the basic structure of the family, um, you know, can you t- talk to why this is such an important starting point? That that kind of ideal image with a mother, a father, a child, how it even gives us some insight into the nature of God. Sure, uh, easy softball question at the at the start of the hour, huh? Uh, Something like I- that. <laughs> I think a couple of things that, you know, to understand the life of the Trinity, right? We've talked about the Trinity on other programs. Um, one of the teachings of Pope John Paul II uh, was that, you know, that the Trinity was a communion of love, where the Father loved the Son, the Son loved the Father, the Father and Son loved the Spirit, the Spirit loved them. And it's a way of understanding how we are created to be in God's image and to be like God that it was this community of persons who were loving each other and giving themselves to each other and honoring each other and fulfilling their role uh, uniquely, but within the context of the community of persons of the Blessed Trinity. And I think that sets up for us again, a model for family life, that this is not purely biological. 
as certainly some folks throughout history have tried to reduce this to, and even some of our modern um, you know, medical ethics problems try to reduce you know, children to just being a product. Uh, no, uh, ch children have rights, children are a gift, children are part of a community and meant to be raised within that community and experience love from that community, which is why you know, fracturing and tearing apart of family life becomes so painful because it's, it's, it's less than. Is it the reality that we have single homes? Yes. Is the reality that there's divorce? Yes. Is there reality that, that the children are, are born by medical procedures that we would have a, a problem with and, and there may be part of our parish families? Yes, but they're not the ideal. They're not the ideal. They're, they're less than what God plans us to be as, as a community of persons. You know, the other thing that I, I think is important to bring up as we're looking at the family, the Catholic Church uses a phrase, uh, two words, describes the family as the domestic church. And can you maybe kind of open that up, explain what that means yes. and how as parents we can look and see what a domestic church really should be comprised of in our homes? Absolutely. The Again, I think we draw on the pontificate of St. John Paul II, who certainly wrote about the family extensively. And that was part of his own ministry as, as a young priest with young adults and then as a bishop in Krakow. And I think we can look to the example, you know, in these days of difficult political turmoil, you know, the, the Catholic Church in Poland was able to pass on the faith uh, through the family, right? They, all the other institutions were under attack by the communists, but the family was able to pass on the faith. John Paul famously said, the future of society passes through the family. And so that's why it's so crucial for us at the parish level, the diocesan level, universal church, to uphold families and try to support them. Because, you know, we can talk about the new life that we have in baptism, but it doesn't make sense if it's not celebrated in the family. We can talk about a call to holiness, but it doesn't make sense unless the family is challenging uh, each other to virtue. We can talk about reconciliation and forgiveness, but if it's not experienced in the family, it doesn't make sense. You talk to any catechist, the appreciation for the value of a meal, as we catechize for the Eucharist, is lost if the child doesn't have that experience at home. And certainly as we long-term look to preparing young people for marriage, if they don't have that experience. So, so what happens within the family, right? We don't have to be psychologists to understand this, just from our own antidotes, from our own lives. Right? The, the impact of our, of our parenting, the impact of our relationship with our siblings has a lasting effect. And so, again, folks aren't coming to the church from a vacuum, but from the experience of what they have in family life and other experiences as well. Yeah. You know, another thing that might be good to point out here, too, is even the fact that if you didn't have that traditional family, you know, you talk about how if there isn't that experience— there's so much that's lost, but even with children who might be lacking one or, or both parents, God himself says, I will be a father to the fatherless, you know, that's that right. he'll take on that role and he'll fill up what's lacking there. You know, it might not be perfect, um, you know, a, 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 as we see it here lived out in an earthly uh, kind of community, but God's going to be able to work in his own way for exactly what that child needs. And how grateful we all are when God steps in or when the community of the faithful step in uh, to sort of supplement any wounds that are happening or, 
or deficits that exist within our families. So in living out that role, you know, parents uh, in that domestic church being the ones that are helping to pass on the faith, that are helping to uh, be those primary educators of children, when you look at some of the families that you've had in different parishes where you've been pastor, what are maybe some of the common traits, some of the common things that those families will do that you think helps to really foster that that spiritual um, activity, that growth, that desire of the kids, you know, that they really latch onto it? Yeah, I've certainly been blessed in my 23 years of priesthood to to become friends with many, many wonderful families who have modeled this, and, and I've been able to see it through the fruit, you know, where their children are now adults and, and living the faith and, and now beginning to pass it on to their own children as well. I, I don't know that there's specific things that are consistent in every family. I, I think that's an important thing that we recognize just like in every aspect of our life. Uh, individuals are unique, families are unique, but I would certainly say that there's an intentionality about faith, um, that, that whether it's getting to Mass and, and going to confession or whether it's prayer at the, at the dinner table or as we approach Halloween, also talking about favorite saints and patron saints, uh, that, that there's, there's an intentionality around it. And I see that particularly with many young families now. I know there's lots of things on Instagram and Facebook and email lists where to help people allow the domestic church to come alive with some pretty fun activities. Um, but, but I just think it has to be part of the mindset, just as the parents are thinking about finances and planning for college and their kids' medical needs, that at least there's some thought going into it. It might be very different from family to family, but, but they're making a commitment to say, yeah, we wanna allow our kids to do this. And that the parents are participants. They're not just dropping the kids off to do stuff but that the kids see their parents praying. I will always say that two, two of the great impacts in my own uh, life of faith um, was my mom's dad, my, my maternal grandfather, uh, watching him pray the rosary, not just at church, uh, but at home, sitting quietly in the living room, praying the rosary. And, and it actually increased in me a desire to pray the rosary when I wasn't praying the rosary. Secondly, my own father, who, um, when he would come home from work and before he came in the house, I guess to sort of debrief, um, he, he would open up a Bible and read some, some passages of scripture and sit there quietly, right? And, and we would see him sit in the car. We didn't know what he was doing. This is before cell phones, right? Um, but but when, we, when I learned that what he was doing around the age of 12 or 13, my, my esteem for my father increased. And, and I remember finding a Bible and starting to read it. Why? Because like every kid, I wanted to be like my dad. So those positive examples to be intentional about living the faith because you know your kids are watching. Talking with Father Chris Walsh today here on The Inner Life, how we can incorporate prayer into our family and how have you been able to successfully do that in your family? Uh, Maintain those regular times of prayer. Maybe your kids are grown and out of the house. Were there different ways that you approached prayer as a family, uh, maybe at different ages, things that you found worked, things that maybe didn't work? And what are some of the things that you might suggest? Give some encouragement to other young families that are just starting out, and uh, we'd love to have you call in and share. Maybe you have a question about praying as a family. It's something that you've tried to do. It's difficult for whatever reason. You can't seem to get it off the ground, and you'd like some advice. Again, you can call and talk with Father Chris Walsh, 888. 
So, you know, you're talking about the example you saw in your family, in my family. My father, he died when I was nine years old. My brother and sister, they're 13 and 14 years older than me, so they were already already out of the house. And it was just me and my mom pretty much from that point forward. You know, I mean, my siblings would come back and visit and whatever, but... Uh, and. My mom, very devout, devout. Uh, we would go to our Baptist church every Sunday, but she and I, we didn't really spend any time in prayer together. Um, you know, she would be praying, reading her Bible on her own every morning. She had that, you know, what we call a quiet time, especially in kind of Protestant evangelical, uh, uh, you know, circles. But I didn't really have that example of what it is to pray together as a family, and I have to imagine there are all kinds of other people that are in my sort of situation where, you know, whether it was through the death of a parent or a divorce of their parents or whatever the other circumstances might be, there just wasn't that experience of praying together as a family. Um, so when you haven't had that example in your own childhood, where do you think you start? You know, now that you're a parent, you want to incorporate family prayer into your own family. Uh, how, how do you how do you take those initial steps that might lead to those successful fr- times of family prayer? Yeah, I think the grace before meals is is, is a great place to start. Uh, I don't presume it anymore when when uh, you know I'm visiting people's homes, and so I just sort of very boldly will say, "Hey, how about we pray together?" and 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 try to model that. And, and I think just again, if we can get to the point where people are praying spontaneously and not just a rote prayer. And, and, and the parents are modeling it, and eventually, age-appropriate level, the kids begin naming God, thanking God in particular ways, asking God's blessings on the family. Um, I, I think at different times, adding something, like today we're going to share a prayer need that we have, today we're going to pray for someone, today we're going to share what we're thankful for, and maybe that rotates each day that they're praying grace, but then also sharing some other prayer need that they're coming before the Lord. Some families have the beautiful tradition of reading one of the scripture readings, you know, from, from daily mass. So again, the word of God is being announced in the family. Mm-hmm. I think you could do the same thing at bedtime, you know, particularly if the children are young, two, three, to begin forming that habit where they're almost doing an examination of conscience. What are you thankful for today? What do you need to ask God forgiveness for? Uh, who, who do you want God to bless? I know parents will tell me sometimes their kids use it as a time to, as a way to delay bedtime, uh, and, and they just sort of keep going. But, yeah. but, but what a great way to delay bedtime. Right, right, yeah. Um, okay, I guess one more prayer. Sure. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I, I think it's, it's one of those things, Josh, where just start somewhere. Um, I, th- I think grace is something. I, I would not urge you know, trying to commit your family to daily mass. I wouldn't even try to do the daily rosary. Um, because I, I think that can be sort of overwhelming and difficult for, for yeah. folks. Yeah, you know, the, I, I, that probably just depends on age of the family, you know, what you're able to do there as well. Um, the uh, I, I know when, when our children were all young, one decade of the rosary was about all we could yes. manage before it, it was just too much of a distraction for the kids. You know, now right. now we can pray a full rosary. Yes. And the younger kids kind of followed the older kids' example. But exactly. yeah, when they're, when they're very little, it, it can be a little bit much to try and bite off there. Um, the, the other thing that I think really helped us is 
early on, we just had other Catholic families we got to know, and we saw some of their own innovative ideas or just little things that they would do. There's one family, um, uh, this couple actually became godparents to our oldest daughter, and we just simply saw them at one point. There was an ambulance that drove by while we were out at a park, and they just stopped and said, let's say a Hail Mary. And, you know, for whoever's in need. And it was just that little quick moment, you know, the Hail Mary, what, took 20, 30 seconds that they prayed together as a family and then went on with, you know, the the activities there at the park. But that was a great example. Another one that I know my wife loved was a family that we knew that they had like a bulletin board in their kitchen and they would, any of the kids, they could put up intentions they wanted to pray for on that bulletin board, and then they'd pray for those together as a family. I think it might have even been just around that mealtime prayer. But even as the kids would get older and they'd go off to college and, you know, whatever else they might be doing in their young adult lives, they'd still call back and ask their parents to put another, hey, this is an intention. Can you put this on the the bulletin board? And it really stuck with them. Yeah, and that's teaching the community to to rely on God. The, The scriptures this coming Sunday, Josh, you know, Jesus is, is reminding us about the need to persist in prayer, to persevere in prayer. Uh, and, and so, again, as you can build a culture, um, which you're going to do this. And again, depending upon the religious ed program or the school or the homeschool model that you're, you're using with your kids. Um, you know, here at St. Cecilia's, our kids in both our religious ed and in our school are, are regularly gathering prayer petitions, you know, and, that, and that's part of the experience that the kids are having at school. So all the more if they're having it at home as well, this idea that we bring our needs before the Lord because we don't rely on ourselves as much as we rely on God. Talking with Father Chris Walsh today. He's a priest in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia and how we pray together in our families. And of course, you know, as we're talking about children in the family, that's kind of that that typical structure, but maybe your family has a different structure. Maybe you don't have any children. It's you and your wife or you and your husband. Uh, maybe your children are out of the home. Maybe you're a single person and you're wondering how you can kind of enter into this community family aspect of prayer. Uh, You're welcome to call in and speak with Father Chris Walsh. Maybe you've had some great success. You've had some good, uh, uh, you know, moments, some uh, wonderful experiences with your family and how you've been able to allow, bring in your children into that time of prayer on a regular basis. And it's been very successful. It's helped you and your family grow closer to God. We'd love to hear your experiences as well. 888-914-9149 is the phone number here to call in and join the program. 888-914-9149. The email address, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Back in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This hour sponsored by Ave Maria Mutual Funds, where financial goals are aligned with pro-life values and fund decisions are based on investment fundamentals designed to preserve and grow wealth without violating moral beliefs. More information at AveMariaFunds.com.
So how do you pray as a family? That's what we're talking about today here on The Inner Life. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, and I'm speaking with Father Chris Walsh. He's the pastor of St. Cecilia's Church in Philadelphia. And the phone number to call in and speak with Father Chris, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Our email address, innerlife at relevantradio.com. And I uh, also want to mention, if you have not been praying as a family, a great way to start is actually to join us every evening at 7 o'clock Central on the Family Rosary Across America. Father Rocky, our CEO and chairman here at Relevant Radio, he leads that every night and takes your calls, your prayer intentions. You can also email those in. And uh, it's a great way if maybe you haven't started praying as a family you kind of get led through it. You don't have to do much other than basically show up. And uh, even if you have questions about how to pray the rosary, you can find that on the free Relevant Radio app. Um, There's a whole section that tells you how to pray that, um, how to pray through the rosary. But that's a great way to get started. And in fact, uh, our very own Patrick Madrid, I think he's going to be joining Father Rocky tonight. Uh, Excited to hear that. And I hope you can tune in again, 7 o'clock Central tonight, the family rosary across America. Uh, Father Chris, as we talk about the, uh, you know, this trying to incorporate prayer in our family, we've talked, I think, kind of about the younger kids a lot, but let's say that I've been away from the faith. I grew up Catholic. I have this conversion or this reversion, as it's sometimes called, and now my kids, they're in their teenage years. We really hadn't been practicing up until this point. And I might feel like I've missed kind of this opportunity with my kids. And I want to see if I can maybe make up a little lost ground. How do I begin to try and incorporate prayer into that kind of family setting where I'm the one who's had that conversion, but the rest of my family might not have gotten to the same place spiritually yet? Yeah, and I, and I think we could extrapolate that not just to adult children, but to siblings, right? If we grew up in a rather lukewarm, sure. lukewarm household. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's the same way we witness to everyone as a disciple. Um, first off, that we, we are praying, <laughs> that we do have a prayer life, and that that prayer life has fruit in our life. And I think if we can give, you know, a humble but honest testimony to what prayer does, um, I just had a man share with me recently that who's really been very intentional about his prayer life that his coworker said, asked him if he was on like medication or something because he just seems so much calmer. And he laughed and he said, yeah, but the medication isn't what you think. And he, be, he was able to share with friends about, you know, using an app each day for, for some meditation time with the scripture and the word of God, as well as praying the rosary on his way into work, which keeps him calm so he's not you know, hyped up when he gets there. And and friends have come back and said, hey, since you pray, could you pray for this person? He said he knows that the next step is going to be, hey, how about I pray with you? Hey, ha- let me share this app with you, right? When, as he sees people are open. And I think that's what we do with our adult children, our adult siblings, maybe a spouse. You know, first we let them see the witness. We, we let them see it or, or we share when they're going through something, you know, I know you're going through this. I know you're feeling stressed. This is what works for me. If you'd ever like me to tell you more about it, I'm happy to. I think the power of witness should never, ever, ever be underestimated. 
that, that model of Jesus himself, right? Why did people come and ask him, can you teach us to pray? Because they saw him praying. Mm, yeah. They heard him praying. You know, as you're saying, you know, not just necessarily older children in the house could be a sibling. You also mentioned a spouse, and I think that's one place where, you know, if if one spouse is Catholic, the other isn't, that opens even more of these kind of varieties of issues. And maybe the non-Catholic spouse, they don't have a problem with the other spouse, you know, taking the kids to Mass, praying together— but then it could also be that the non-Catholic spouse is somewhat hostile to the faith, you know, especially if there's been kind of that coming back to the faith of the Catholic spouse. Regardless of what the situation might be, there's going to be this spiritual disunity in that family. Uh, what are your thoughts for someone in that kind of situation where they they don't have that support of their spouse and they're trying to be that witness, but there can even be some of that hostility involved. Yeah, I, I, first of all, you don't throw gasoline on fire, right? Uh, so if the person is hostile, you know, maybe be very sensitive and, and aware of that and, and, and empathetic as you make your choices around prayer and how many statues of the Blessed Mother you're putting around the house. Um, is there some baseline that you can agree on, right? Uh, even the secular world is into gratitude. So would your spouse be willing to sit and, and share five things that they're grateful for each day? Um, would they be willing to talk about areas of their life where they've made mistakes? So, I mean, the examine uh, could be done by secular people, right? So, I mean, where can you meet them? <laughs> where can you meet them? And then, and then it might open the conversation to, if they're willing to sit and talk about gratitude or where their failings are, where the struggles are in the marriage or within the family. Even virtue, you know, you, you're as, as, a, as a believer, as a worshiper, your approach to developing a virtue like empathy or mercy um, or faithfulness or love uh, might be done in one way, but there are secular ways of approaching virtue as well. Uh, so, so again, it doesn't have to be all or nothing, right? Where, where can you let the person come on board? Right, that's the conversation overall in evangelization today, especially of those in our family. Like, where can we meet them? Where can I meet this spouse? Yeah, right? and then maybe build from there, sure. Yeah, yeah, maybe they're open to watching a video uh, about a saint. Um, I, I went to see the, the Knights of Columbus have produced this beautiful new movie on Mother Teresa. And uh, in the movie theater, it was very, very touching, very moving. And I've had a great admiration for Mother uh, for many years. Um, but the man next to me was, was non-religious and, and he was weeping and he shared with me afterwards. Like he doesn't get the faith part, but her humanitarian mm, effort. Yeah. And then I was able to witness just a little bit to this person, but he was moved just by a human being living something good, religion aside. Yeah. You know, I, I'm thinking even as we're not too far away from the Advent season, you know, that's a good opportunity. Maybe just invite them to go, you know, if, if that spouse really doesn't ever go to church with you. Would you just be willing to attend Mass for Christmas yeah. Eve or Christmas Day and then genuinely thank them for that? And, you know, great. Maybe try it again at Easter and kind of build off of that, too. So and, if, and the great evangelization tool that we miss out on with our family members is, I mean, almost every parish has either a lessons and carols or a, a, a children's nativity story right, right. or a live nativity. Invite your friends and family who are not participant 
it's going to touch their heart. And again, thank them. Don't push right away. Thank you so much. Do you have any questions, right? Wasn't this beautiful? Oh, how much God loved us. Like, like meet them where they are and pull them along. Father Chris Walsh, our spiritual director, and again, our phone number, 888-914-9149. How have you been able to pray as a family? How have you incorporated prayer into your family? Maybe some successful ways that you've been able to do that with your children, especially as they've grown older, or maybe you're a grandmother or a grandfather, and you've been able to pray with your grandchildren. What are some ways you've been able to accomplish that? Our phone number, 888-914-9149. Maybe you have a question about how to incorporate that prayer prayer into your family. It's been something that's a bit of a difficulty for you, and you're welcome to call in and speak with Father at 888-914-9149. Father, we've got Valerie, who is calling in from Stafford, Virginia. Valerie, you're on the air. Hi, thank you. Um, one of the th- We've tried many things over the years for, uh, for my children, and one of the things more recently that has stuck, um, and my, it was my husband's idea in trying to get the kids more engaged in praying. We, we do try to pray a daily rosary as a family. Um, what he's done is he has taken our photo, all our thousands of photos that we've accumulated over the past, you know, almost 14 years as a married couple. And he um, takes maybe a month at a time and he'll screen, he'll um, project the screen onto our living room television And we'll sit and we'll pray together, each kid leading a different decade, and we'll just watch these pictures. And the neat thing is many of these pictures my kids haven't seen or they'll see a younger sibling, their their birth and their um, baby and toddler years. And and my kids now are excited um, to pray the rosary each day. And there are some days that um, because of different schedules with sports and stuff that we're um, actually praying the phone on speakerphone in two different cars or praying the rosary on speakerphone in two different cars. But generally, when we're together, um, we sit on the couch, we watch these pictures of the family, and, it, and it's, it's really nice, and the kids enjoy it. Um, and then one other thing that we do is in this area, there's a lot of divorce signs, divorce flat rate, $999. And so when we see that, we'll pray a Hail Mary for marriages and families. Valerie, how beautiful. Both examples of being creative and not ignoring it, right? Because the kids are seeing it. They know what it is. They hear about it from their classmates in school or or friends on, on sports teams. And so that sense of hopelessness that can so easily enter in, your family is, is channeling that, right? Uh, and, and we have to believe in the power of prayer. And, and what you're doing, I think, is a great example for other families that are listening. Uh, you know, as Valerie says that too, Father, I, I think that's such a great insight that when you do something that gets the kids engaged, uh, you know, for us, early on, it was just kind of using the different decades, the different mysteries of each decade of the rosary okay, what's the next one? Who can name this next one? And it becomes kind of a little trivia moment, and you know everybody's hands shoot up, or they try and race each other to say what the next mystery that night would be. So um, that right there, if the kids get engaged, even in little things, then it becomes a uh, it becomes that that exciting and um, anticipation that they want to participate there in the praying as well. Um, even at times where it seems like you're too busy as parents, 
your kids get excited and they say they know <laughs> that we should be praying. So those times where you're like, ah, it's getting kind of late. Uh, should we just kind of maybe say one quick our father and then we'll try and get back to our normal routine tomorrow and then the kids will be the ones to kind of say no no we should we should do the full rosary we should do what we normally do and they'll they'll kind of call you on your uh, lack of willingness there when you're feeling tired yeah and I've also thought uh, you know because I know family rosary is a big thing it was at different times my parents started and stopped it um, and, and a family recently shared with me that, you know, because they didn't want to just get into this whole thing of arguing with their kids, right? An argument that, okay, now we're going to turn to Our Lady Queen of Peace. Um, and, and so I think it was the age of 11 or 12, the kids had to come until the age of 12. Uh, and then after that, it was optional. And they were shocked that, you know, the teenagers weren't there every night, but they were often there. And sometimes inviting friends who were going through something, right? That's the other powerful witness. I, I buried a woman not long ago. Uh, she was blessed with 10 children and um, lived into her 90s. Uh, but we were praying the rosary with her. She died, which the family had done for years. And kids in the neighborhood would often, when something was going on in their family, they would join that family for the evening rosary. So, so again, the power of that testimony and witness, but, but also inviting and realizing that the teenagers might slack off a little bit but it doesn't mean that they're not interested. Yeah, you know, the other thing that I've found with my kids too is even at times where they're reluctant, especially if it's not a, a set family prayer time, but if I'm just praying maybe a rosary in the morning on my own and I invite one of them in, they might say, ah, okay, sure. But by the time we're done, you can tell that they are glad that they've spent that time in prayer and then it allows me to be able to say, yeah, don't you feel better now that you actually took some time to pray this morning? And, you know, they just kind of grin and, you know, maybe nod a little bit. And, and yeah, yeah, it always does. And then the older kids will kind of tell the younger kids that same thing later on, you know, as they get older. Uh, you'll feel better if you pray in the morning. You always do. And it helps kind of, you know, just pass along that attitude. Valerie, great call. Thanks for uh, being a part of the program. Father, let's uh, take one more call before we have to go to our next break. Marlene calling in from Lexington, Kentucky. Marlene, welcome to The Inner Life. Thank you. Um, I have a suggestion for teenagers, and I do not want to hold uh, my husband and myself up as any paragons of knowing how to do this because I feel more deceit and failures than successes. But we just have one daughter, and um, the one thing we started to do actually um, after uh, dinner was to just read uh, some proverbs. And, you know, they're very short. You can sometimes they're just a couplet or whatever. And we found that to be such a conversation generator about what she's facing at school, what we're facing at work, what, you know, how we are to respond to it and who we're supposed to associate with. So I, I just, with my, that one um, success, I just want to pass that along. That is absolutely beautiful. And again, that's that creativity, that knowing your situation and, and to not only read the Proverbs, but certainly reflect on them of, of how this ageless wisdom is there and how it applies to, to our time today. So that'll be, a, it's also just a great memory 
uh, and, and family tradition that starts that will, will likely live on in, in your children's lives. Yeah. Thanks for the call, Marlene. And if you're listening and you'd like to call in, we'd love to have you join the program here. As today on The Inner Life, we're talking about how we can incorporate those times of prayer in our family life. And how have you been able to do that in your family? The phone number 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Maybe it's been a, a struggle for you. You've made some different attempts at trying to pray as a family and just hasn't seemed to come together, hasn't seemed to kind of get off the ground, and you'd like some advice, some insight, you're welcome to speak with Father Chris Walsh, 888-914-9149. And uh, we'll be right back with more of your phone calls and more with Father Chris Walsh in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And uh, boy, we are really into fall time here. I don't want to be like the the stores that have the Christmas decorations up too early. That's not what this is about. But I do want to let you know about a drawing that we're going to be having. And it's going to be, I think, this upcoming Monday, is if I'm correct. I know that this is the last week you can sign up for it. We're going to be giving away 200 of these beautiful nativity sets. And uh, they're outdoor nativity sets. You can set them outside your home, display the true reason for the season of Christmas, you know, and that's one of the reasons that we want to provide these to you so that you can let your neighborhood know, let your neighbors see that Christ is really the reason that we celebrate Christmas. And uh, these these nativity sets, I think each one is valued for at least $500, but we're giving them away for free. You can be one of 200 winners if you just simply sign up. And all you have to do is go to our website, relevantradio.com slash set, S-E-T, as in nativity set, relevantradio.com slash set. But you have to sign up before the end of this week. Please do that. Register for your chance to win, and hopefully you will. You'll be that lucky winner. Uh, Again, talking with Father Chris Walsh today about praying with our families, and our phone number here for the program, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Father, we've got Al who's calling in from San Diego. Al, how have you been able to pray with your family? Um, yeah, uh, good talking with you guys this morning. Yes, one of the main things that we did, we really didn't pray the rosary. We did at my mom's house and stuff. But when my kids were little, they were like 5, 8, and 10, and I saw Billy Graham. And uh, he said, if you're not praying for good husbands and good wives for your kids, you're making a mistake. So we, I started doing that a couple times. We always said grace, and I would say, Lord, bless his food. And I'd say, find good husbands for my three daughters. And now uh, my three daughters, uh, they've been married 22 years, 20 years, and 12 years to some really terrific guys. And uh, it's just real important to to do that. And uh, they all mentioned that we prayed for them at their wedding ceremonies and uh, receptions and stuff like that. The other thing uh, that uh, I started doing a few, uh, a few years ago, three, four years ago, uh, I read the Bible a lot, and I take pictures of scriptures that really touch me. 
and I send them, you know, my two older grandkids, they, they have phones, and then my three son-in-laws and my three daughters, I send them pictures of those scriptures um, through text messages and stuff, and uh, real good stuff um, that uh, they, they're really touched by it. And again, God's Word, you know, is the one that touches them. And so those are just a couple of things. You know, my kids are grown. They're all spread out and everything. So that's one way that I keep in touch uh, by doing that. That's absolutely beautiful. And, and, and that idea of, of sharing through text messages, uh, a, a family I know, uh, again, five adult children, and uh, you know, they've got the family text group. And the mom wanted to sort of redeem it a little bit because sometimes it was getting you know, petty or just sort of whatever. And so she started talking about uh, that they were going to rotate and each day someone had to send out something inspiring. Now, she and her husband send out things very explicitly religious like you, a scripture verse, an image of a saint, a beautiful picture that they find somewhere. They're simply, the children might send things that are a little bit more secular, but what they felt is that it's still getting to them. Again, it's, it's still a seed and uh, and often there'll, there'll be conversations about it, you know, an inspirational quote from a saint or or from the scripture. And again, I think it's another way for us to sow into our already regular habits. Family, you know, text groups are not uncommon. Um, and again, becomes an opportunity. Hey, pray for this kid's got this going on or this one's got this. Yeah. And so that we are praying together. But but that's a beautiful way to sort of continue to do that. And again, you had what you had growing up. And then you made something else your own, which is, I think, the beautiful way that's very pleasing to God. Mm. Thanks for calling in, Al, and sharing. Uh, Father, it might be good to talk about the role of a parent in leading their family in prayer. And there are a couple of things that I think could be a difficulty for a lot of parents. I mean, there's all kinds of ways we can kind of rationalize, oh, I don't have time, or, you know, there, there's, uh, it's just not the right opportunity, or whatever it might be. But even if we have the best of intentions, one area that I think can kind of hamper our our impact, first there's this knowledge that we all have. We struggle with our own sins, our own imperfections. And I think that's a tactic of Satan, that he can use that as a ploy to convince us we're not worthy to lead our children in prayer. You know, we feel like hypocrites being the ones to tell our children what they should do in praying, you know, while at the same time, we just know we don't pray as often as we should. You know, our lives are imperfect. What what advice would you give to somebody that is kind of caught in this kind of thinking? Yeah, you know, it's that, that mentality. I find most parents very heroic um, in that they don't feel like driving the kid to soccer practice, but they do it. They don't feel like getting up to make lunches, but they do it. They don't feel like doing another load of laundry, but they would do it. And I think most parents would, they'd wear the same clothes two or three days, but they're not going to let their kids do it, you know? And, and I think sometimes that selflessness that we see in parents so beautifully can be what motivates us for prayer. So as a pastor, I'm required by the law of the church to offer at least one mass a week for the people. It's called the pro popolo, right? So I, I offer mass for the people of my parish. But in addition to that, as a priest, I'm required by the church law to pray the liturgy of the hours, morning prayer, evening prayer, night prayer, hopefully also daytime prayer and office of readings for my parish, for the people entrusted to me. And I'll be honest, Josh, there are days when I don't feel like sure. it. But what motivates me to do it? My people are depending on that. 
And so I think an extra motivation for, for, for moms and dads and for grandparents is that your family is depending on your prayer. Like so often the, the, the problems that we face, it's because we're relying simply on a worldly spirit. And, and our God is begging us, right? Pleading for us on this 105th anniversary of the apparition, final apparition at Fatima, right? Where we were called to pray for families, right? The Blessed Mother's message is so often around families praying. Uh, why? Because our families are facing challenges. The devil is attacking families, attacking individually and tearing us apart. And so even if we think we can get by without prayer, maybe the motivation is our, our family needs yeah, it. Yeah. You, you know, one other area that comes to mind is uh, you can feel uh, as a parent that you're not accomplishing much in a family prayer setting, you know, especially when you have younger children. Your own prayer experience in that setting with your family can seem lacking, and you end up spending more time in trying to help your children in their prayers or even just helping them to refocus when they get distracted. And then you get to the end of your family prayer time. doesn't feel like you've really been praying at all. You can walk away feeling like you were more just directing others in how to pray or in the prayers themselves without being able to pray much yourself. I... I I can see that as a deterrent, but I think that goes back to what you're saying. You know, it's kind of that sacrifice you make as a parent, knowing that you'll have to take a little more time for yourself later to have that deeper prayer experience. You know, while you're just knowing that that example and that leadership to your children, it's so crucial, it's so valuable for their learning and practicing of the faith. That's right. And, and again, it's efficacious. You know, we focus, I think, too much on, and I've been a spiritual director for many people in directed retreats. And, and, and well, I, don't, I don't know if my prayer is any good. All right, well, are you setting aside some time? Yeah. Are you opening your heart to God? Yeah. Are you trying to be disciplined? Yeah, it's good prayer. <laughs> like, like, okay, yeah. the person might not have gotten healed. You might still be dealing with temptation. You still might be depressed or anxious, but you had time with God. And, and I think that's where the gift of faith really comes in. God is pleased with our effort to please God. Yeah, that's beautiful. You know, one other thing, and we're getting really short on time here, but, you know, even just looking for those little opportunities when they present themselves, you know, if you're stuck in the car traveling to grandma's house, you know, that's an opportunity where, well, you've got time. You don't have to have everybody looking down at their phones while one person's driving. Everybody can pray together. Mm -hmm. That's right. And maybe playing something again, maybe Father Rocky's Rosary in the evening. Right some religious music. I loved the divorce sign. Let's pray for that. Now, it, it's going to get monotonous if it's, if it's every little thing, but certainly accidents or if you're taking the kid to soccer practice. And, and again, a simple thing where it comes in that I don't think parents do it enough. From the, from the moment of baptism, what does the church have parents do? Make the sign of the cross on your kid's forehead. Mm. Bless them as they get out of the car. Father Chris Walsh, always good to be able to talk with you here. We've got about 30 seconds. Could I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners? Josh, through the intercession of Mary and Joseph, the Holy Family of Nazareth, may Almighty God bless all of our listeners and their families, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. We'll look forward to talking with you again sometime soon, Father. And want to say thank you to you for being a part of the program as well. Apologies to those of you who called in and we couldn't get you on the air. But uh, if you joined us late, the podcast, of course, as always, posted at RelevantRadio.com. And you can also find it on the Relevant Radio app. Mass is coming up next here in just a few seconds. And that'll be followed by The Faith Explained with Cale Clark. And tomorrow, we're going to be talking about something very, very important. 
important. Going to be talking about contraception and openness to life and what the church teaches about that and how we live that out. Hope we'll talk to you tomorrow.